Hey guys, it's Neil. I um, want to give you a little intro on our first ever guest here at What's Next. Um, today we got Viana McGugan, a wonderful woman out of Stonington, Connecticut, um, basketball coach. She's a Hall of Famer, scientist, you know, all these things, bilingual. Um, but really what we're here today to talk about is her organization, Teammates for Life. It's a nonprofit out of Uganda um, that's utilizing basketball to help educate and keep the women of Uganda safe, ideally leading to scholarships, both athletic and academic. Um, it's a packed first episode, and we talk through everything from Title IX, kickstarting Vianna's career in basketball, um, being one of eight growing up and really being the boss of the house, balancing that with her athletics career, um, playing with boys, beating boys, and even coaching boys uh, at a high school team and, and actually winning 18-1 and record, um, to really what she's doing today with her organization. She talks about how networking and building key relationships has really been a staple in her 15-year trek from you know what was an initial idea to where she is today. Um, we talk about exercising patience in the face of a nagging passion, you know, something so paramount, um, you know, not letting something, you know, really urgent, you know, taking it and running with it, but, you know, following through with your goals and, and level setting. Uh, she's got some great advice for people searching for a greater good, you know, looking for outreach um, that really helps us answer that question. What's next? Uh, hope you enjoy it. Hope you engage. And here we go. All right, welcome to episode one of What's Next. We Here we have Viana McGugan. Um, Viana is a former basketball player. Um, she played college basketball in the 1980s, correct, Viana? Yes, yeah. And um, now she is on the verge of retiring, um, but she has started a nonprofit organization called Teammates for Life. Um, so here we're just trying to get Viana's story um, on how she got to where she is, she's she's getting she's doing something she's passionate about, um, and so we wanted to ask Viana, you, you know, just to kick things off, tell us about you know, one your athletic career in college or even high school and college, and then how you kind of morphed from you know, star college athlete here in the Connecticut High School Hall of Fame, and to where you are now helping young girls in Africa. So thanks for having me. Um, I guess I'm an old fart in your world, but um, <laughs> so Title IX passed in 1972. So I was in seventh grade, and my math teacher, Beth Cornell, who was from Maine, came to Stonington, and she was like, uh, I don't know, beyond years, and she was kind of like a single woman, older she skied, she played softball, so she got us playing before seventh grade down at the local community centers, and I was a tomboy anyway, always trying to keep up with the boys, so, you know, I, you don't realize you're just a little kid running around, but I was very good at sports, and I was, you know, didn't care about breaking bones and stuff like that, so I got introduced early on just trying to keep up with the boys my father, who taught me to race cars when I was four years old, you know, he instilled this, there's no boy-girl thing. You're just, you're out there. You know, it doesn't matter. You're the only girl. So it never really dawned on me that, you know, there was this boy-girl thing. And then when they said we could have organized sport for uh, girls in seventh grade, this math teacher, she put us all together and we started playing basketball at the junior high level. Mm. Um, Myself and another girl, 
we kind of were called the M&M girls because I was McGugan, she was mellow, and we hung out and we were, you know, in the little newspapers, scored, scored. But you don't, you know, it's serious now. Today, everybody's playing AAU. We just played every sport we could because, honestly, I was the head of, I have eight brothers and sisters, so my mother used to make me do supper, you know, change diapers, do everything for the family. And I was like, oh, if I play sports, I'm at practice. I don't have to go home anymore. <laughs> I played every sport I could, and I was good at it. So, um, you know, that's kind of where I went in high school. And then this thing, I always wanted to, like, be, you know, challenge myself with the boys because I noticed they didn't pick me, and then all of a sudden I was like, okay, I'll show, you know, now they're picking me first, okay, I must be good. <laughs> uh, you know, went to summer camp at URI, the girls didn't show up, I got to play with the boys camp, and that was like my junior year in high school, so I started to really excel. And I still, you know, didn't, you know, the severity and the seriousness, the way people take sports today, is totally different than the mindset that we had coming out of high school, going into college. Um, you know, I had offers to play like at Utah and URI wanted me mm -hmm. um, full scholarship, but you had to play uh, field hockey and basketball because I was an all-state field hockey player. So I was like, oh, geez, you know, that just sounds like ownership. And, you know, <laughs> it wasn't really fancy the way it is now. People would say, ooh, um, so I got married young, had one of my children, and then I went back to college and they were still giving me my scholarship, full scholarship. I went and practiced with the team. They're like, we'll take you. So went to Mitchell and, um, it wasn't, you know, really a challenge. We went to the nationals and, you know, we did really well. Um, I always felt like the girls there was a little older than them. They called me mom. So I was kind of like, the mom on the team, I drove to school, slept in their dorms, um, you know, so I was always this, uh, like, coach, mother, slash, player on the team, and I think even in high school, because I was beyond the girls that were on my teammates, that I was always coaching them, because we weren't going to win the state championship, unless we were all good, so for me to catch them up to some of my skills, was like something, and I was the mother of eight, you know, my siblings at my house. So I kind of was a coach whenever I was playing, and that's always how I looked at the game from a coaching perspective. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the Connecticut Women's Hall of Fame, too, the Basketball Hall of Fame. And it's not so much because I was a player. It's because I, I was a good coach. Mm -hmm. um, and so I enjoyed coaching basketball. I enjoyed playing basketball. Um I feel really fortunate that I'm at a point where I'm still in my life. And between, you know, the high school, the college, we had a women's league that was pretty um, well-known in Groton, Connecticut. And we used to play in summer league and then like Conn College, um, uh, who else, Mitchell College, like some of the area Coast Guard Academy, they would have us come in and scrimmage their teams because we were that good even though we were out of college we were you know like you guys you're out of college and you still want to play so we did and we were good and we would go in and play at their practices you know they'd say can you get everybody and come scrimmage 
and that would be the practice for that team. So we did that, and so that kept us playing. Then we played in, like, the nutmeg games. Mm -hmm. uh, summer camp, I used to run the whole Coast Guard camp for the women at the um, Coast Guard Academy. So, you know, I, I stayed around it like that. Um, I coached at the high school. Um, after I went back, had one of my children, then I played a couple years, and then I started coaching at the high school. Mm -hmm. uh, coached, won a state championship with the girls there. Then I went to Fitch High School in Groton and coached the boys' team. Because <laughs> they were like, we want you over here. And I was yeah. like, I don't know, you know, like I know what that entails. And I was going back to college because I got out of Mitchell, had an associate's in public health. And then I went back to UConn after I had all four of my boys. I had four boys. So I had all my boys and I went back to UConn and got my biology degree. And they wanted me to coach at um, Fitch High School. And I was like, <sighs> but I did do it. And that was the best. I mean, honestly, coaching the boys and, and, and not because, you know, it, it is different coaching boys and girls, and I love coaching the girls, but it was nice because the things I could think about doing that I could never do with the girls, like I had three guys that could dunk on my team, and <laughs> my challenge was to get them to play organized basketball because they were so street-orientated, and it, it was just the greatest um, rewarding season of coaching all the seasons that I coach boys, girls, you know, big boys, little girls, anything, because it, it was a challenge to get the white kids and the black kids to like each other because the schools, the junior highs, Kevin, you know this area, yeah. that Fitch, Fitch Junior High, um, a lot of the kids lived in Brantford Manor, very rough neighborhood. Right. Um, and the Cutler kids, you know, they were the white, you know, upper class, and everybody filtered into one high school. So mm -hmm. it was like my challenge was to get everybody to get along. I had great talent, but I just had to organize the talent. Mm -hmm. And three of those kids went on um, for scholarships. You know, not both of two of them didn't go for basketball. One went for football. But um, it was just great because I was like their mother, their coach. I had to go get some of the kids. They had to bring their little brother. They couldn't come to practice. Um, you know, and then they see me out when we are adults and they're like, coach, coach, you know, and now they're big men, you know, they're like 30 yeah, right. years old. And uh, I don't know. We went 18 and one. We won the league that year. You know, it was kind of rewarding for me because they looked at me, gave us a lady coach, you know, mm -hmm. and we ended up winning because they believed and I was really, you know, strict and disciplined with them and stuff. But uh, yeah, so. I don't know. It fitted into teammates down the road. Right. Yeah, I might uh, I might be jumping the gun a little bit here, but I wanted to chime in. Uh, so, Vienna, you're pretty much um, your your athletic life is a is really a product of uh, Title IX and the whole um, you know female empowerment movement. And now your life it looks seems like has came full circle, but in a different in a different setting or context. Can you kind of just like talk about? that relationship between your life as an athlete and then the work you do now? Yeah. So, um, the girls that I, um, am trying to reach now in, in, in a way I, you know, I tell them, I told them this story. I told the Bishop that I work as a partner. I'm, I'm in under the Arua diocese up in the North 
So I work and do all this um, through a relationship that we had with Uganda through my church here in Stonington for 17 years. So it's not like something that didn't, you know, have a lot of roots. And so the networking and the security and all those things that people think, like I thought of this yesterday, this is something that has been brewed um, for, for 17 years and it's just falling together nicely. And thank God that I can um, do it with basketball and I love helping people. And the girls, much like me, I tell them, I came from a tribe too, you know, like where I came from. Um, and my mother made me do exactly like what's happening to them in the bush because I take them out of the mud huts that are far removed from like the city, the, the, the capital of Kampala. They're not those girls. And um, they have to go get water, which is very dangerous. Um, they live where they could be abducted on the way. It's far. There's animals. You know, there's a lot of. But the girls get the water probably twice a day. They do the gardening. They're the reason that the family unit stays together. So for me to have them released, I usually, I've drilled three wells in three remote villages. And then once I drill the well, they'll release some of the girls to me because now they don't have to go get water. Um, You know, yeah, so it's kind of like that. So I have them in a boarding school and, um, you know, I know what that's like because I ran to sports too, just like what's going to probably do well for them. And, and I've coached girls and put them into um, scholarship situations through high school. And I know now that I'm dealing with these girls that I can get some of these girls scholarships in our country easily. I just need a few years because I've already done it in my own country with girls. Mm -hmm. So I'm just educating them because really I'm watching like, you know, you guys know, um, you go to UConn, like look what Calhoun did all those years. You see these African boys coming over and they're spotted on the NBA and on the college teams. Mm -hmm. Um, Now they have to pass some sort of, I don't know, standardization. But, you know, I'm trying to educate my girls so they can come over with the education and at the same time have the sport aspect to help them, you know, get a chance over here and then go back and help their own people. So, so like is, so you say get scholarships. So scholarships, the mission, the goal is to find scholarships, both athletic and education, academic, I mean. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And probably more sport orientated because a lot of the people, um, you know, the women that I've, run into over there that do have, uh, you know, some outside education. A lot of them go to the UK for their education. Mm-hmm. Um, the sport aspect of it, I think, you know, the boys have been doing it for a long time. So to have somebody over there and the connections that I'm doing and how fast I'm moving, like I'm only a little over a year old and the stuff I've done in one year is because of the base relationship, like I was telling you for 17 years, the people I know over there are like the retired archbishop. Um, the, 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 the people that I have that are in government positions, I'm a registered NGO over there. So to get that status, you, you have to know some people because it doesn't operate like we do here. And I, I've been learning that curve too myself, but I have some trusting relationships over there 
through the church. So a lot, of, a lot of your a lot of your legwork uh, in your position, it seems like it is like really intense networking networking um, in order to get these kids in positions where they could potentially be successful. Yeah, and the kids I'm dealing these girls, they're only like ten, twelve. I didn't. I'm not working with girls that you know. I don't want to say they're already past you know, but they these girls they don't know anything like except what I'm telling them. Right. So they don't have any bad habits and, um, you know, I'm bumping into some, I'm, I'm just running into the right people because right. the people that I have with me to start are the right people. Right. So, Vi Viana, quickly, this is Neil. Um, you talked about mm -hmm. how this isn't just like a, a one-time trip. You were over there, it all clicked and you just came home and we're like, this is how it's happening. It's, it's longer tailed to the point where yeah. you said it was almost 17 years. Um, I think that's probably a different case than you see a lot. So do you, can you talk about kind of those first couple instances, maybe your first trip over there, um, or those moments where it started to click of, I can piece two things, you know, I'm passionate about, I care about um, together, and then somewhere down the line, you know, come up with some more robust strategy to where you're at now. Okay. So Calvary Church has been giving a boy and a girl, a scholarship for the last 17 years. Every year they sponsor one, and they've built an orphanage, an orphanage that is a model orphanage. It would be even a superior orphanage in our country. Mm -hmm. every, every, they did have a blind school within the orphanage. So we support that for 17 years. One of the scholarship recipients about 15 years ago was a, a guy called Chris Ochaloy. He is my country chairman director over there now. He went to the Christian University because Calvary Church sent him, and he played on the men's basketball team at, Cal at, at UCU in Uganda. So I got to know him, and about five years ago, you know, he visits. We bring him over on fellowship once in a while, and uh, I said, Chris, you know, and I brought him to my sister's house, and she's got you know, six boys, a full court, you know, so he knows how to play. So we were shooting and I said, you know, I have an idea. What do you think? And I told him I'd like to help the girls that never get a chance, you know, and I think just because I've been over there, the way they run and they hunt and they have hand-eye coordination, like they can knock a mango with a stick on one shot out of the tree. I said, if I could take that girl, put some shoes on her feet, and teach her what I need. I can help that girl get somewhere, you know. And so we thought about it and, you know, we talked it over. And then we finally just said, all right, let's go for it, you know. And um, so that's kind of how it – and he knows a lot of basketball players from his days. So now 15 years later, he's rounding up like, you know, Ochan who lives in a village. And a lot of the um, – 10 of the girls that I have – are five from the immediate village that he came out of as a child. And then another five are from somewhere that he actually lives now. And he has like a hundred girls that come after school and just want to touch the ball and, and try and play. And, you know, so I've networked through Chris, a lot of the sport people. And I have a girl now that um, just graduated a couple years ago. She's a, national uganda player 
She was a soccer and basketball player. She just came back from Egypt. She was on the Uganda national team. She actually volunteers and is leaving Saturday to go up and make sure that our girls are doing what they're supposed to do at school right now. So, I don't know. I'm getting I'm getting um, the right people to cross my path as I go along. Yeah. Right. So you talked you talked a little while ago. You said we've done you've done so much in a year. Maybe elaborate on what you've done in this year and like the progress you've made in just one year, as opposed to, compared to where it started from. Right. So, well, when we started, um, we knew we had to start getting some funds. So I work at Pfizer, which is really um, a great help because they have gifting programs that I take advantage of. They also have a, a corporate program where they donate um, computers. I just have to write up a request and then all the laptops that get refurbished throughout Pfizer globally out of New York. So I get 25 laptops pretty much sent to me whenever I need them. So I've been starting like internet for our girls up at their school, which is unheard of because I want them to know English and computer pretty well before they, you know, get too old. And, um, they're, their um, the start of the, their start of the whole thing was to uh, get get educated. I want them educated at the same time as the sports. But there's a there's so much that goes into that. When I say that educated, mm-hmm. um, right. I'm starting from zero. <laughs> like <laughs> like I mean, let's talk about how we have to stay clean. You know, like. Um, Girls' safety over there is, you know, just something that I, I, you know, you have to go there to understand it. We talk about it. But uh, the girls are treated like substandard citizens. Like some of the cows are, you know, people worship cows and stuff, better than the girls. So a girl being educated is, you know, like they say, the pride of the family. If you can educate a girl, you're the pride of the family. But, um, um yeah. So, like, basketball-wise, I assume, I mean, I've looked through your website, and I see that, you know, you've built some courts, you've got some uniforms sent in. What's yeah, the school. That? yeah, so we, um, the high school teams in Connecticut have helped a lot give me their uh, used uniforms, which are perfect because they get them all the time. At the Christmas tournaments, there was some local Christmas tournaments that the girls all came and some gave money, some gave basketball, socks, shoes, um, you know, um, we have a program, you know, that the girls, because they have their um, menstrual cycles and stuff, like that's a huge thing in that country because they have no means to take care. They're missing school. So we have a program where they make these reusable pads. So now there's not a reason for girls to miss school to feel embarrassed about going to school, you know, there's just so many things that you, you don't realize until you start getting into the lives of these people. Right. Uh, what we did with a lot of the funding from Pfizer was, uh, and we fundraised, and people donate a lot of my colleagues because they have a matching program. It costs about $300 a, uh, a year, $100 a semester to send one of the girls to school. So when they they fund one girl, Pfizer matches it. So they really can fund two girls. 
So a lot of people sponsor a girl, and then I have my girls writing to them and giving progress reports, their report cards. So you actually kind of adopt a player, a girl. And a lot of the high school players that are involved now, like St. Bernard, Stonington, Ledger, um, Platt High School in Meriden, there's, there's a few high schools now that are involved. They all take a, um, like Stonington High School adopted two players, and they sponsor her scholarship, and they give me all sorts of stuff as a team. Uh, yeah, so that's really helpful, and I have a cargo ship uh, transport twice a year. Like right now, I'm waiting for a cargo ship that I sent in um, January to deliver some stuff, that, that bigger stuff that I can get over there. And I'm just learning along the way, networking with other people, how to do what I'm trying to do better. But we built a huge sports complex. So in January, we went over and had this big celebration where I just built two full-size outdoor basketball courts that have like six baskets at it. Wow. Yeah. And Amazing. it's like the focal point for boys, girls, you know, everybody comes. We play all night until it's dark. Um, you know, I've been practicing the girls on it as much as I can when I'm there and when I'm not there, I have somebody trying to do the best job, but coaching's a big problem because they don't understand how to coach over there. Mm -hmm. So that's one of my little lags in my system right now that I'm trying to teach somebody to be a good coach. <laughs> <laughs> so coach, so coach education is also a component to the kind of systemic view of the program. Um, I, I had another question that I wanted to, uh, yep. that I wanted to get into. So, um, you're, you're in the middle of Africa and you're coaching, you're coaching a bunch of, you know, young African girls. And you were even saying that in order for them to come to the courts or whatever, you've had to build a bunch of, uh, wells so they could leave, you know, their village or where they were at. Uh, so obviously, there's a, a major element of race involved here. Um, what, what's the what's the perception of you know this this lady coming over this to teach us basketball and we're leaving our village and you know there's a, a bunch of these white people here like what what is that kind of uh, what does that kind of look like look like in real time over there? Well, so the first time I went to the village before I took the girls out of the village, um, you know, I was introduced to the whole setting through one of the guys that played against Chris, but buddies. Um, and so they kind of knew who I was. Um, and then after we took the girls, I went back to the village, um, without with the girls were at school and I went to bring some stuff to the parents that I had promised. And, they asked me if they could see what I did with their girls because they were wondering they hadn't seen them in a, you know, so that alone is just, um, and on top of that, you know, I mean, I, I, would you give up your daughter? Um, they are recovering because the Coney insurgency that went on in that country and just right. all the hostile, uh, revolutionary civil kind of wars that go on and off, on and off. That's where I have this sports complex. If you're looking on the map, like Sudan is 10 miles, and you know what's going on in San Sudan right now. So, right. so Sudan border is like 10 miles from where I have this all going on, and the Congo is very close on the other side. 
-hmm. But these people um, have been through hell and they're recovering, you know. Um, It's been a while since there's been anything terrible happen, but the parents are very reluctant in one town to tell me that they would never give their children a chance at this because, for one, the parents aren't educated, so they don't understand the value. They don't see it. If right. they're, if, if they're going to lose a family member because the girl's not home to get water and the girls, the, the family depends on that girl. So they're not going to give up for education. That's just nonsense. They don't see anything of value. Um, right. It's not a part of the social conditions of their life at this point. No, no. And, and then even one of the towns, Gulu, I went to, after the war, there was a lot of, um, you know, like Red Cross and a lot of uh, NGOs that came in and whatever they did, they left a bad, um, you know, taste or influence. Sure. I don't know what happened. So when I went into that particular town, there was no way that the girls were going to be allowed to play because something happened with the white people. They used Gulu as a base to go out and try to help whatever, you know, was going on at the time. So it's town to town and it's still very tribal. Right. Um, you know, even within the parents, when I brought the parents in, I brought them to the celebration. We had this huge celebration. And I promised them that I would bring them in to see what, what their girls were doing, where they lived, and that kind of stuff. And the parents are from, you know, six different tribes. Everybody speaks different languages. Um, they all did their dance. We gave them a spot in the celebration, which was really nice. And then, uh, you know, I got to talk to them, and we had translators. And I said, you know, look at your daughters. They're all praying and playing and um going to school together and they they're they have no boundaries they don't know not to like each other because they're from different tribes they're just right. girls going to school and you know you parents need to look at these girls and take an example from these girls because when your guy won the olympics you know in london there that marathon you guys were all going that's uganda you weren't saying Oh, that guy's from Nebi. Oh, that guy's from Arua. It was, you know, so you gotta, you gotta think like that now because this tribalness has got to, you know, the boundaries have to be broken down. So really the sports is breaking down all those and the parents were fine. Everybody got along. We had a great time. So, you know, I think the girls will be like a a groundbreaking generation to Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff too. Right. I mean, sports breaking social boundaries. I mean, that's a history. That's a history lesson in and of itself. That's been thematic throughout yeah. throughout time. Yeah. yeah. And it was good because I had some women come be guest speakers at the whole town came to the celebration. It was huge um, because if you have anything like the court now is the nucleus of the town. There's nothing like that ever. There's people coming over the border from Sudan because they know that this complex is there and that there's balls, and that there's hoops. Um, you know, it's just, they don't have that. They have a dirt, they have a dirt ground that they nail a, a, a ring on a tree, you know. That, so, and they have good players. They're, these boys, they come into my practice when I'm there in the morning. Like, I used to practice six to eight with the girls because it's cool, the sun's not up. And then the boys would beg me, just teach us something, stay. Can you stay? So like 8 to 10, I would just do boys, or the boys would come in my practice. But um, 
they're giants. And I'd be like, how old are you? And he'd say 12. And I'd be like, what? You know, they're, they're huge, but, um, they just want to learn. And, and, and the best part about them is like at night when everybody plays, you know, you talk about the girls and the boys and the title nine and everything we went through here. They just say, oh, the girls want to, there's, they're so, um, like we have to talk about, we have good sportsmanship. They don't understand like bad sportsmanship because they don't, you know, they're just kind and they think sport is a game to play. And if you're good at it, that's great, but let everybody have a turn. Um, and they don't realize how good they are. They're just, they're so gifted with their talent. So I'm going to exploit some of that. Oh yeah. No doubt. Diana, quick, just how how important is that feedback loop to those helping you? I mean, I, I think a major theme of this is networking. Um, you know, when, when you get these jerseys, you get these basketball shoes. I, I saw a video um, from the Stonington women's team, and you were sending them pictures of the balls that they had donated. You know, how, how important is that to just show, you know, for those – here in the U.S. or those wherever helping you out, that there is the here are the fruits of your labor. Here's what you guys are doing to help out. Yeah, that's huge, and I always make sure to do that. And that's so what I've done. Part of you know our fundraising and stuff. All the people on the other side that are on our board and part of us over there, the Ugandans. I've armed all of them with like an I four. They have a cell phone, so I can get a hold of them. And most of them have one of those computers that I can get, you know, from Pfizer. So they have um, the ThinkPad. They all have a ThinkPad. And um, when I'm not there, you know, like after June, I hope to retire and get out of Pfizer and just be doing a better job at this because I'll have all my time to do it. Um, They take video and, you know, we have a Facebook page. So I say post, you know post something and I have given posting rights to certain people that, you know, keep the story going for people on this side who are following us like that. Um, and I always send thank yous and, you know, I I try to keep everybody connected because they'll keep giving if I can keep them in the story, you know, if I can keep them part of it. That's, that's unbelievable. That's, I think, I think that's a perfect segue. I I know we're, We've run over a little bit of our time, but how, like, how do our listeners, how do they get involved? How do they help you? And secondly, how do we help you? You know, how do we promote you? What do you need from us? And I don't know, like, I don't know, now that you're going on to year two, like, I'm not sure what the best way to get involved is. So if you want to expand on that. Well, it would be great, like, I put out these wish lists kind of things, like, like right now, I know, um, after being there, you know, and the more I go, the more I learn, I learn something all the time, um, like, they're very, uh, you know, it's quiet where they live in the villages, they're, they have, there's no technology, there's, there's nothing, mm-hmm. so they have drums, and they're very great music dance people, so they have drums, and where I have the girls... There's music because the church has, you know, like some instruments. So we were looking for used instruments because I can get everything on the cargo ship now that, you know, twice a year. So I have these wish lists and I put like stuff like that, like used instruments. Um, there's, you know, always uniforms. Um, 
it's not even like you could say money is the best thing because you can buy it over there. You can't. There's no quality of even the basketballs. You know, I have to get them, deflate them, pack them best I can. Uh, the people, I have one girl, like, we're looking for grant writers, you know, and that's a special little talent. So I have a girl that's, you know, trying to help do that, but she has a real job. And hope someday I get big enough so I can start paying people. And I, and I really, like right now, try to tell people, imagine those Ugandans on the other side. They, they, they just need to eat, and, and they're giving me their time. Like they're volunteering time that they have when really they need to be working because they need money to eat, but they're, they're doing that. So I'm looking, you know, we're all volunteers kind of right now, but, uh, time, you know, is, is, is what I need. People who have time to sit down and listen and write a grant and and look for money. I have got someone kind of doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm going to go over again in July and, I, I have my grant writer. I have people here and like, I have a whole board here, but there's nobody raising their hand to say, Hey, I want to go on next July. I'm going, going. So if you don't go over there, my gut feeling is you need to go over there and, and see what I'm talking about. Cause I can't tell you verbally, you can't write for me. You can't do a good job unless you come over and see it and feel it with your own eyes. So really, I encourage people who think they want to help me in any way to tell me that I'm coming over in July. I want to come over in July with you and then I can plug you into any spot you want. I don't, I I know you get it. And then you're going to go just like you guys asked me, you know, you got into it and you didn't give up on it. You didn't go over there and just be hit with it. Yeah. You come back all psyched and, and then you move on with your life in another direction. So I don't want to invest anything if someone's not in it because the passion i'm passionate about it mm-hmm. but to find somebody as passionate about it as me i want that person i want somebody that passionate about it that wants to give because i'm not paying them because they love it right it's, i want to pay them <laughs> <laughs> and so for those who do want to give and those who do want to get involved what's the best way for them to reach out to you is it getting to i assume maybe your your website at the contact us tab Yep, yep. You can go on that. We have a Facebook page. You can even do this Viana thirty four this Gmail that we you know I'm on now. My Viana thirty four Gmail because I check that every day. Mm-hmm. Um, our, yeah, our website has uh, some good uh, a newsletter that you can sign up for. Like we we just sent out a newsletter uh, at the end of March, so we have uh, a two year two a biannual newsletter. Um, yeah, I, I mean, any, any way they want to get a hold of me, you can find me teammates for life. Right. I'm teammates with. And that's with the forest of F O U R. Yeah. 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 Vienna, before, before we sign off here, I just want to ask one more quick thing. Um, if, if you were, if you were talking to a young, a young college athlete, you know, having questions about their career going forward you know, sports isn't necessarily professionally in the picture anymore and uh, you're having a conversation with them, what's, what's kind of just some practical advice that you would either give to your younger self or, you know, a young student athlete? Well, if you want to keep sports in your life or a particular, like you, you specialize in one sport, um, 
you know, like like we did, and I know they do it with baseball in Groton. All the college kids come home, and they're in a league, and they have the team. They usually win that league in Washington Park. But um, you know, get 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 your crew together and get a team and find a rec team or something that you can play in, or offer your time at sports camps. You know, they're always looking for people. Go scrimmage the the college kids that you just left. You know, say, hey, we got we got a team. We're coming in. You guys need practice, and you're decent. Of course, they're looking for somebody to scrimmage all the time. It's better than you know running sprints. Hey, let's have a scrimmage today. We got somebody willing to come right to us. So that's that's really nice. Um, you know, those are ways that we stayed in the game. And then you know, coaching. Um, you know, I know my nephew Brian. He played at Fitch with, uh, you know, all big shots, but he now is coaching at Ledger. He's a coach or, or coach. You can always volunteer. I, I just think that volunteering is your step in the door. And then you'll figure out if you want to be at that level anymore, or, you know, you need to go on to be a real technical coach. But, um, yeah. Let's say let's say sports are out of the picture. What about in terms in terms of career? Um, what what would be you know just kind of some sticking? It sounds like volunteering is an overall message. At least what I got from the end of that, Diana, is give. At, uh, if you're looking to make a career out of it, but you can't play, is that what you're asking? Uh, not even so much trying to stay stay in the game. Just kind of a. Uh, Moving, well, on, moving on with your life, you know, you're, you, you were a college athlete. Now you've made it back to working in the sport field. But um, if, you're, if your career is coming to an end collegiately and you're, you're just looking out into the real world, real confused, what's next? Well, I know everybody goes to school for some discipline besides sports. They have supposedly a major. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of us don't go and work in our field after we go to college, but right. um, I would just say, like, just follow your heart because, you know, a lot of it today and everyone used to push, you know, you got to go to four years of school, you got to go to four years of school. Well, you know, if you really know by that time that what you're going to be, but a lot of people don't know that, and it's a lot of money to go to school right now, mm-hmm. so... Um, I, I know I'm talking, my mission statement has the word partnerships. I'm looking to create global partnerships. So honestly, I think networking is, uh, you know, find somebody that's doing what you think you want to do and start, you know, you might have to work a little bit for nothing or for very cheap, but then you'll figure it out. If you, if you really want it bad enough, I don't know. I, I feel thankful that it just keeps dropping in front of me. I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, not saying I don't stress a little bit and struggle a little bit, but for some reason I must be doing the right thing because I love doing it. And I, I'm actually going to imagine turn 55 June 18th and I'm looking to get out of Pfizer on the 19th because <laughs> I just know that I don't want to be doing this anymore. I, I, I know what I want to do, and I thank God that I'm going to be able to do this before I can't walk and talk anymore, you know? Like, I gave it a chance, and I didn't just think about it and go, 
Yeah, I'm 75 now. I wonder if I tried to do that nonprofit and push those buttons that I thought about. Now I'm going to say, good, I did good, or good, I tried and I failed, or I, I did okay, or I made a dent. But I just know that when I was coaching basketball, all the girls that I, boys that I've already coached, if I saw any one of them today, and it's just like we're still there, we're, we didn't lose a beat because you create um, such a relationship that those kind of people actually come back and help you. So that's it. First interview in the books. Um, prop to Viana. That was that was really good stuff. Um, I know she mentioned it briefly during the interview, but she's welcoming any and all feedback, you know, help, assistance, whatever you guys can do to really take this cause to the next level. So if you have thoughts, ideas, equipment, uniforms, anything, reach out to Viana, and that's V-I-A-N-N-A 34 at gmail.com. Or you can check out our website, Teammates for Life. That's teammates and then F-O-U-R life.org. Thanks a lot, guys, and we'll see you next time on What's Next.